0: Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. It's great to see you today. Well, since I w- will not be seeing a trophy like this presented to my New England Patriots this year, yeah, it was sad. Wait a minute. Because I don't know what that was. Was that was that pity? Oh, that was pity. Oh, okay. I I just don't know what that's like. In 20 years. I don't know what that's like. Oh my goodness! Well, that's what it feels like, Deanna. Man. I'm into it, so I don't know. Well, I am presenting the trophy here at our uh, Crosstown Student Ministries. We have a quarterly competition between about 50 uh, students, and they're kind of non-traditional sports, any kind of ways that they compete against each other. And and they had a really good competition yesterday. And I told them I would present the trophy to the winning team. And uh, this, this quarter, it goes to our blue team, uh, known as the Crash, yes. So congratulations, keep up this good work. And uh, you know, Tom Brady may be available, may be available for your team. All right, thanks guys. Let's give it up for our captains, yeah. That's right. <laughs> hey, let me tell you about seven days of prayer. Every year what we do at the beginning of the year is we set aside a time to kind of present you know, our hearts to God and to kind of prepare ourselves for the new year. It will be starting next Sunday, and what we've done is we've put prayer requests in, on, your, on your chairs, and we invite you to just write down during today's service, uh, a prayer request, something about your heart, something maybe in another person's life that you just write it down that you would like the church to pray for. You can. Uh, there's pencils up, up there, and you'll have an opportunity later on in the service to pin them to the cross, to either put them into the offering basket in the back, or go online with our app and do the prayer request through our app. So let me encourage you, we'll be starting on next Sunday, then on Monday through Friday we'll be meeting here at 6 o'clock, and if you have the ability to do that, we pray for just one hour, we pray over these requests. We will also be streaming live so that if you want to join us from your, your breakfast table with your kids as you get them ready for school, you'll be able to do that. We'll have a time of worship and prayer. And then on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, we'll gather here together with some Krispy Kreme donuts and um, close out our prayer time for this year, this time of uh, the season. So let me encourage you. Just fill out one of those cards. Maybe you don't know of something right now. But we're praying that through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the end of the service today, something will begin to tug on you that God will want you to uh, have prayed for. So let me encourage you to be a part of it starting next Sunday together. Well, this week we're beginning our series called Reimagining Our Lives. And, And let me just say, it really didn't start this week. It really started last week when Stacy presented to us some concepts from God's Word about the way that we think and how we kind of fall into um, uh, disillusionment about our lives. And God spoke so powerfully through her that we, we are going to take some of those principles that she revealed to us that God spoke through her, and we're going to kind of break them out. And a lot of us couldn't be here because of You know, travel and the holidays and all. So um, some of the stuff that she spoke about will be woven into the fabric of what this series is about. And as God spoke really mightily through her and gave us some insight on what to be talking about this um, beginning of this year. And one of the things I took away is it's some of the best shows and movies that you ever watch on TV or um, go to the theater are really beginning to use soundtracks in a really powerful way. And and the one that I think is the most powerful is Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians of the Galaxy uses a tape mix. And if if you were raised in the 70s and early 80s, you remember about the cassette tape. Any earlier than that, you remember the 8-track, any earlier than that. You remember when stones were being hit together, um, you remember what that was like. But um, the, the, the mixtape was that thing that you had, kind of like what Stacy talked about in Spotify, but it was a list of tracks that you kind of identified with. They were your songs, they were your mix. And uh, I think it's really interesting how in Stranger Things and in Guardians of the Galaxy, these people were brilliant because what they did was they picked songs from like the mid to late 70s to early 80s so that they would grab a hold of the baby boomer and what the baby boomer remembered, the the songs, but they also brought the millennial in on this because millennials have that really unique gift and place of, of life to be able to identify the value of nostalgia, but also to bring the new and the old together and I find that done really well by millennials And so these producers are like, well, how do I get everybody to come together on an idea, on a movie? It's like identify it in playlists. It's like get something that everybody can identify and that's a part of everybody's playlist. Kind of a universal concept. And what we're going to see over the next few minutes is that God had universal concepts that he wanted to use to bring boomers and millennials and every generation and all kinds of people in to hear the same music, to have the, the same playlist. But, you know, when I, I think back about the music that I listen to, it really affects my mood. Um, I, music probably more than anything and I think most people are like this I don't think my wife Susan is as much this way, she likes listening to a book on audio uh, you know, but I, I'm really into like listening to music and it changes me, and there are some songs in my personal playlist like, there's this, this uh, singer's name is uh, Dan Fogelberg anybody here raise, uh, remember him, anybody, okay uh, so that means you're all over the age of something that I won't ma- mention um, but there's this one song that I remember, How Do We Make Love Stay? And it was like one of these incredible ballads. But whenever that song plays, I know exactly where I was when I first heard it. I was um, smooching with my future wife, which is my current wife, um, it was about 35 years ago at station 21 on the Isle of Palms. I knew exactly where the car was parked, I know exactly the song that was on, and I remember that moment. So when that song plays, it stirs up kind of this algorithm of of romance in me. It's like, wow, it brings me to that moment. Then there are times I'll hear Van Halen, and you know, Van Halen, yeah, that's exactly right. It's okay, it's okay to be a Christian and like Van Halen. but. Um, I can remember racing around in my Toyota Corolla, racing against my friend who had a the new, at that time, 75 uh, Supra. And we used to race and, and do all this stuff. So whenever a Van Halen song comes on, it's like, man, I just start to go fast. And then, even now, whenever Pink Floyd comes on, and I listen to Pink Floyd, it makes me think about those times when I was... Well, I probably shouldn't share that those moments. That those, but there were those times, and and whenever that song, whenever the album "Dark Side of the Moon" comes on, it's like I am there. All right, and and it's interesting that from a young age, these kind of playlists or thought algorithms that we have can really just stir up things in us. And um, there are some songs I can't listen to because they are connected to with memories or with ideas that really really don't work good with the life that God's called me to. And for a lot of us, we have a playlist, whether it's how, what we think about men, what we think about our Father, what we think about God, what we think about um, the victimization that took place in our life. Um, addictions in our life that we may have, uh, how we respond to Republicans or to Democrats, how we respond to people of different color. A lot of us have these kind of built-in playlists, these algorithms that that whenever we're in a situation in life, whether good or bad, this is the song that kind of plays out, and this is how we respond to it. This year is going to test you. It's not gonna only test you with some hardship, but it will also test you with how you handle success. It will test you with what you're going to do with good things that come into your life, as well as hard things that are going to come into into life. And what you do with the events will be determined by your playlist. The algorithm inside of your mind, the way that you think, the way that you imagine when, when certain things occur to you, and they will begin to play out. And so God wants to work in our lives, and He wants to to help us engage this concept of reimagining a new future. You know, if you have iTunes, and I know now iTunes is so, you know, like 2013, the idea of paying 99 cents for a song sounds ridiculous to most of you, but whether it's iTunes or Alexa, You know, she'll pay attention to what you're listening to, and maybe you'll like this song, or maybe you'll like that song that will kind of create an algorithm for you. And the world around us creates these algorithms for us as well. Now, when I say the world, I'm not trying to, like, turn everybody that's not a Christian into a bad person. I'm talking about that sphere of interaction that you and I are a part of that we pay our taxes to, that we spend money on, that we shop at, that we interact with, that, that the whole world around us that we all kind of are, are, are a part of. And the world around us tends to want us to respond in like uh, uh, to playlists, that one, maybe what is popular? That this is the way that, that white people respond to black people. Black people respond to white people. Well, it's an algorithm. You know, this is the way you're supposed to respond. This is the way you're supposed to talk. The way men interact with women and women interact with men. The way that you're supposed to talk to your spouse after, you know, they say something, you know, that's not correct to you. And it's like, girlfriend, you don't need to be doing that. You need to tell him. And, you know, and, and what's popular in the world around us. And sometimes that becomes the algorithm that we play and how we respond to things. What you do with more money when you get more money or when you get a new job or when you get fired from your job. You know, in my day, when you got fired from your job, the algorithm was you slashed somebody's tires. I mean, that's what you did. You just kind of like, I'm fired. All right, click, click, click. You know, somebody's losing some radials. You know, and and that was just an algorithm or response that you did when you, you know, had a hardship in your life. For some of us, we'll experience things, in our past will affect us. Your past, well, this is how you responded in this situation before, and this is how you're gonna respond today. And that algorithm will play. And have you ever had that? Where all of a sudden you're responding in a way to something that somebody said, and you kind of zoomed out of yourself, and you're like, I can't believe I just went crazy on them. It's like, what the heck was that? You know, and you're just like, what happened? And and I'll tell you what that is, is that there's an algorithm in you that that event went in, that interaction, just like a cassette tape going into the player. You shut the front of it, you push that button on the front, and all of a sudden it began to play. Also, there will be the challenge of, of, of what the world wants us to buy into. It's like, listen, we think that you should respond this way. We don't want you to respond that way any longer. This is is the way that will work best for you. This is the way that you'll make your best profit. This is the way you need to respond so that it will go favorable with you. So there are a lot of different ways that we can respond, but God wants us to, and I'm going to use this word, reimagine. And and I know for some of you that actually scares you. Because as Christians, it's not like a word that we use a lot in the Christian circle. But I want you to see that it's going to be more biblical than maybe you probably realized. But God's going to want you to begin to realize your life with his promises. He's going to want you to take these algorithms, these playlists that he has communicated to us, and he's gonna want you to drop it in your cassette player, he's gonna want you to shut the little hatch, and he's gonna want you to play them, because they will bring about a different future than the one that you think you have to live. So there are three kinds of promises of God in the scripture, and this is gonna be really important, because every one of you are going to be in one of these. And I think it's really important for us when we talk about God and what to expect from God, we need to know where we stand. You know, it's because otherwise you're going to be disappointed. Um, or you maybe you don't have the right level of expectation. There's, th- there's this first promise. A promise God makes with the whole world. It's kind of a universal promise that God makes with Everybody. Doesn't matter what your religion you are, doesn't matter your belief system, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter your nationality, it doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter if you're in prison, it doesn't matter if you're successful, it's, it's a universal promise that God makes with all human beings that ever have been on this planet. And then it's this, and, and this is one of them, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's like, hmm, all right. Now, i got to ask you, is that song on your playlist? Is that song in your cassette? It's like, it's like does, that sound, does that song sound pretty good? What, do, what does that song stir up in you? Maybe, you know, I'm at what's called a Shazammer. A Shazammer is somebody that has an iPhone with a little program called Shazam, that you have the ability that gives you the ability that whenever you hear a song you Shazam it and it tells you what the name of the song is so like if i'm in an elevator you know and i'm going up in the elevator and all of a sudden some really cool song comes on in the elevator because elevators always have really cool songs you know i'll hit Shazam and i'll listen to it and all of a sudden it will tell me what it is and i'll download it on the iTunes onto my iPhone I'll be listening to a commercial and all of a sudden the commercial's really cool and the music's really good and like American Express commercial and I'll be like, well, what is that song they got going? And I'll play it and all, all of a sudden it will tell me the name of the artist and I'll download it. I'll be watching a preview to a football game and the music's really good and pumping and I'll download it and it all of a sudden becomes a part of my playlist because I heard it and it's like, hey, you know what? I need to add that to my playlist. So let me ask you this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Have you added that to your playlist? Are you hearing any songs better than that today? I mean, that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life? I don't know about you, but that sounds, I think I need to add that song to my playlist. Eternal life is a pretty cool concept. Not perishing, what an amazing, that God so loves me. So there are universal promises. Then there's the second kind of promise. It's a promise that God makes to people who he is in relationship with, and that he's going to keep regardless of any interaction. So, okay, so now this is not a promise universal. This is a promise here that is specific for a group of people he's in relationship for. with, okay? So let me be very clear. If you are not in relationship with him through Christ, this promise does not apply to you. Oh, don't be insulted by that, because it's a free download if you want this to play on your, in your life. But just know this, this is not in your playlist if you're not in relationship with God through Christ. But here's, here's an example of, of this kind of song that's on the playlist. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1, 6. So that God is going to do a good work in your life. It's like, wow, so you mean... Just because I'm in relationship with him, he's going to do a good work. Yes. And he's faithful to complete that good work. Is that a universal promise? No. It is a promise to people that he's in relationship with. Huh. Well, having my life work out, a good work in my life, something that the Creator wanted it to be, they'll download that one. Again, it's free. Now, it costs everything, but it's free to us. You know, it costs God absolutely everything, his son. So, what a cool promise to download to the playlist. And then there's a third kind of promise. And let me just say, if you're here for the first time, I am meticulous on how I define things. And the reason why I'm meticulous is because I am a very hard believer. And what I mean by that is I have a hard time believing in God. It is just my nature, whatever you want to call it. You can call it the devil, you know, whatever. Um, I have to break down my faith in a way that I turn it, twist it, shape it, to kind of get it to fit into my brain. And so, so when I look at things, it's like I got to understand it. Because I don't want to be a part of that crowd that's like, oh, God loves everybody and God's going to do wonderful things in your life and you're just absolutely awesome and God's going to do his best work in you. It's like, no, as I look at scripture, there are universal promises that God's doing for everybody. Then there's there's relational promises that he does with people who are in relationship with him. And then there's a third kind of promise as I was looking at it. And the third promise is this a promise that god makes to people he's in relationship with to bring about a new future with their cooper- cooperation ah a third kind of promise you know so we got folks that maybe that's a new song for them maybe god's taking you from that to the second kind of thing wow okay through christ relationship with christ all good things are going to work in my life. That's cool. Maybe I need to add that to my playlist today. And then for us who want to reimagine a new future with the certainty of God's promises, it's, that certain, it's the promise that God says, I'm going to do this in your life if you cooperate with me, if you'll partner with me on what I'm going to do in your life. Let me give you an example of what a promise like that looks like. At a Second Chronicles 7.14. And just tell me if this is, this is a song you would like to download into your life. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive all their sin, and I will heal their land. Wow. How I would love that in my life. In my marriage, in my relationship with my children, my relationship with you, my relationship with people that I disagree with, in my country, how I would love it. But notice in that, there's an if-then construction. This is a promise that God says, I will do this, but you got to cooperate with it. You're not in this group over here. You're not in this group here. You're right here. This is a promise that I will heal your land, that I will move in your life, I will, I will help you with a new future, but you're going to have to cooperate with this. You're going to have to be a part of this. Some of the most important promises of God are re the future with divine certainty and human cooperation. Let me give you an example of this. This is, this, this is a Bible hero I'm about to tell you about. Okay? This person is probably one of my, I have like two major Bible heroes. This person, it's interesting, my, my favorite Bible heroes are both women. This is, uh, this is one of my Bible heroes. Let me read to you the story. And it's about a woman who was willing to reimagine a new future. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd followed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only a daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians and was no better but grew worse, she could not be healed by anyone." She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And this is going to be kind of like the, this idea of imagination. Okay, is For she said to herself, this is going on in here. Okay, For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. She's considering a future that is different than the one that she had already thought that she was going to have. She had to reimagine that if I took this action, I will have a different outcome than if I take no action. You know, she had to reimagine. It had to happen in her head first. But I'll get into that more. She says, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And then Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounded you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, and you can add in parentheses, Shut up, Peter. Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, Your faith has made you well, go in peace. See, at some point in this woman's life, she had to reimagine how her life would play out, you know? Uh, She had to think about, how's this all gonna unfold in my life? See, she didn't need any imagination for the way that it was going to play out if she didn't interact with Christ. I mean, it's so obvious. Let me read you the, the circumstances of her life real quick. And, and you won't even have to imagine how this woman's life is going to turn out. The doctors were unable to help. Her money was all gone. She was alone. She was old. She was a woman. Anybody need any imagination of what's going on there? How this woman's going, life is going to turn out? There's no imagination needed. I think we've all concluded what, how this woman's life is going to turn out. But before the reach, there was a reimagining what life would be if she made the reach. You know, it, it, it's, it's not like when Jesus walked by, all of a sudden, people who were sick were all of a sudden like a magnet going past some steel, all of a sudden turned. And then all of a sudden, as his power walks by, all of a sudden, her hand. Yeah. Is forced against her will and 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 touches the hem of his garment because he makes that happen. Now there had to be a time where she it had a moment to she had to imagine that my life can be better than what it looks like it adds up to. So I'm going to position myself here in this crowd. Well, I'm not close enough. To reach out well then i'm going to position myself a little further i'm going to nudge this person out of the way i'm getting get a little closer and then i i'm going to have to reach out and i have to but all of that is preceded by a reimagination um a rethinking about what the future was going to be like so where are you right now maybe your marriage needs some reimagination i mean the christ kind of reimagination You know, maybe if I read off the status of your marriage, you know, we don't talk anymore, don't sleep in the same room anymore, we don't eat together anymore, we don't need any imagination. You're going to get divorced. We don't need any imagination. That's not a very imaginative life. But what if God today is calling you to say, listen, I want you to reimagine your marriage. I want you to download this song. I wanted you to make it a part of your playlist. I want you to start putting this into your head about the situation that you're in right now. Maybe your financial situation needs some fresh reimagining. Maybe your relationships need some... It doesn't... You know, have you decided that your relationship with your estranged child is going to end that way? Well, we don't talk anymore. Okay, well, it doesn't take any imagination. You're going to die or they're going to die somebody's going to be angry, and we're going to just spin that story to the next generation. I don't need any imagination for that. That's not creative. That's, that's human issue. It's like a soldier who gets, you get dungarees, you got a hat, you got a weapon, boom. You know, a bitter life passed on to the next generation. It takes no imagination. It's standard issue. But it takes imagination with God to begin to think about your life turning out something different. That maybe it's not over for you and your son. Maybe it's not over for you and your health. Maybe it's not over for you and your finances, your career. The promises of God are the divine authority to reimagine with certainty. That's what the promises of God are. Again, I worked really hard to try to make, make sure that was biblical... And also made sense to my rational mind at the same time, because that's just how I roll. The promises of God are the divine authority to reimagine with certainty. Maybe I don't have to be sick. Maybe my marriage doesn't have to end in divorce. Maybe I don't have to always be depressed. Maybe I don't have to let my pain determine the future of my life. Maybe, I can, maybe something else can happen in my life. See, too many of us have tried what the Apostle Paul calls a vain imagination. He talks about this thing that, that, that the imagination, God doesn't say, well, the imagination's bad because that's where lust and greed and envy and jealousy resides. It's like, no, I created that imagination thing. It's what separates us from all the other animals on the planet. One of the things... It's the ability to conceive of a future that does not exist. Dolphins aren't worried about, huh, I wonder if I should save up money for a Winnebago. What's a dolphin going to do with a Winnebago? Can you imagine a dolphin with a Winnebago? I mean, some of you just did. An imagination is a wonderful thing. in But there's a vain imagination. Let me give you some vain imagination. If I get this new job, people will respect me. Yeah, that, yeah, go ahead and see how that works. If I get this face pulled back a little bit, my, my, my chicken neck pulled up a little bit, and, and if I just lose five pounds or get tucked, lifted, or whatever things that you can do, my life will change. Yeah, go ahead. If I stand in front of the mirror and say, Girl, you're looking good today. You are powerful. You are beautiful. You are awesome. You are a world changer. Go ahead, keep doing that. If there's any advantage of being 60, is that I have exhausted myself of every vanity to try to have a fulfilled life. If I drive that car, if I could just marry somebody, I won't be so lonely. You know, and God wants to warn us about our vain imaginations. Because some of us are using our imaginations in a very unhealthy kind of way. Because we're not just, Im- vanity is, a vain imagination is this, an imagination that has no backing. It has no substance and it has no authority. There's no certainty about it. You say, well, what kind of imagination should I be doing? Is one that has authority and certainty and backing, divine backing. What do we call an imagination like that? The promises of God. You know, and, and God wants us to play these. Because some of us are in a vain imagination of fear. We're constantly thinking the worst situation happening in our life. You know, it, we're constantly imagining the worst thing. But God's word has the ability to create a new imagination in us. Let me read it to you. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it, Isaiah 55, 11. God says, whatever promised place you are, universally, relationally, or relationally and cooperative with God, whatever promise I've spoken into that area will happen. With certainty. So put it on your playlist. So if you're in this place, maybe you need to be in this place where I receive the universal promise of God. Maybe you've already done that. Well, then it's the next place for you to just like, okay, I need to be relationally connected to God through Christ. Boom. Then I need to go to the next place. Well, I'm, you know, I want, I want my future to be everything God intended it to be. Okay, well then there's got to be divine certainty and human cooperation. Boom. And it begins to happen in your life. It's not based upon somebody's opinion. I know you're sitting here, maybe you're like, yeah, you're clever. Isn't this just faith? Haven't you just swapped the word imagination for the word faith? Well, let me just appeal to you. Again, um, I would be classified as a rationalist. That doesn't make me a good person, that just the way that my brain works, I have a hard time with faith. I'm not a Bible belter by birth. So when people say, well, you just need to have faith, Pastor Paul. I'm like, ah. it's like, oh, I hate that lingo. It's like, I want to know the mechanism. How does this thing work? How does faith work? It's not just faith. It's like, no, it's not just faith. It's, it's the system of that, that, that God has created of, of, of faith. is the assurance of things hoped for. You know, it's, it's this process of imagination, the conviction of things that are not seen. You know, so it's the rational awareness that, that the things that are not, that are seen, are created by something that's unseen. That makes perfect sense to me, okay? That all things are created by something. It's like, okay, well, then it becomes this hope. It becomes a conviction. Well, where does that happen? It happens in the imagination. It's like, I, I, okay, I get it. And see, and this faith thing begins to to work in your life. It's like I can begin to imagine a future. When I imagine my life being better, that is faith. When you imagine that your life is going to fall apart and you imagine the worst, that's faith. So that's not faith, Pastor Paul. Faith is in Christ. No, there are all kinds of faiths. You know, I've, I've had probably like the second worst weekend of of the last three months, you know, I've got a little spinal issue, uh, and and for some reason the pain just came back like I, like crazy over the last couple of days. And I was laying in bed and had ice. Probably most of the weekend I spent in bed on ice, and um, and then I got a stomach bug, and so I'm I'm like I'm just lying in there, and I'm just like, you got to be freaking kidding me, you know? Um, and so I'm laying there, and I'm like, you know what? This is it. You know, and you say, well, that's crazy. No, it's imagination. We all have it. And I'm beginning to think, well, this is it, Paul. You know, you're, you know, they're gonna to have to do that surgery you don't wanna do. You know, your back's gonna go in a bad way. You know, what's gonna happen is that you're gonna, you need to retire because you're too old and, and they're gonna wheel you out of here in a wheelchair because you're, you know, disabled and all this other stuff. You know, this pain's only gonna get worse. And I'm sitting there, and what I realized in the middle of it is like, I have a growing, vigorous, vibrant faith. You say, that doesn't sound like one. No, it's a faith. I have belief that my demise is imminent. That's a faith. It's a playlist. And a lot of us have that playlist. You know? I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Some of us white people see a black person on the on the sidewalk, we go to the other side of the street because we think they're going to kill us. Where'd you come up with that? It's in your imagination. All men are going to hurt you. All men are going to cheat on you. All men are dogs. You know, um, you can't trust a Republican. You can't trust a Democrat. You can't, you know what, your cancer's going to come back. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. America's going to hell in a handbasket. The Russians are going to take over. The North Koreans are going to launch. You could, what do we call? You know what that's called? That's called faith. I say, well, that's my imagination. Well, I'm just using a different word. But faith becomes biblical when it's based upon certainty of the word of God. That's when it's what that word that we call faith. Okay? But the other kind is a vain faith. And some of you have more faith, like me. I'm a pitiful little man. I know it. Some of you are like, oh boy, he's still struggling with his back problems. When's Pastor Paul going to read about Moses? When is he going to read about the Apostle Paul? When is he going to learn all the promises of the Bible? When is he going to start believing God? Well, I'm sorry, I'm a pitiful imaginative man, okay? But I'm in relationship with God, and I cooperate with him. So what's that mean? It's going to work out for me, okay? Now, is that... I don't know, with a good back or not, I don't know. All I know, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. All I know is that if I seek his face, turn from my wicked ways, that he will heal my land. And I got some land I want healed. Okay? So that's not standing in the mirror and telling myself, you're good, you're powerful, you're going to change the world today. That's vanity. That doesn't come from a tummy tuck. It comes from the word of God. Certainty based upon what God has said. And so here's what I want to tell you. is that Some of you here, you're just like the woman with the issue of blood. You're, you think, yep, this is what's going to happen. I'm over 60. I'm over 70. I'm on disability. I deal with depression. I deal with pain. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I'm black. I'm poor. I'm rich. Whatever it is. And some of us are living, every one of us are living in an imagination. We're imagining something's going to happen. Some of us are imagining right now we're so good this doesn't happen to us. Some of us are imagining we're so smart our lives aren't going to have those problems. You know what that is? A vain imagination. Some of us think, oh, I'm going to marry the right guy and I won't have problems it's a vain imagination can i get an amen out of that amen. okay it should not have been any married women answering that one there okay i've kind of wandered off track here but let me just say this about this woman she is a biblical hero forget moses what did he do part the red sea that's one one thing okay he's part of the red sea okay but waking up every single day dealing with depression and choosing to live for God, that's heroic. Choosing or being forced to live with pain every single day of your life, that doctors can't heal and medicines can't fix, but you're still going to go forward and allow God to use you and love the people around you, that's heroic. The ability to come out of a failed marriage and to believe in god and to trust in god for your future that's heroic to decide to stay in a marriage and to believe god for a healing for that marriage that's heroic to say you're sorry to somebody who has done you wrong to reconcile a relationship that's heroic and that's what god's calling to us he's calling to us to reimagine the future not with a vain imagination but with the promises of god with certainty that of his word and our cooperation, I will heal your land. I asked you earlier, hey, there's some prayer requests. And maybe you thought 35 minutes ago, I don't really have a prayer request. How about now? Could I dare you, if you're an unbeliever, could I dare you to consider downloading a song for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Could I dare you to, does that sound okay to you? Does that sound like somebody who wants to manipulate you and control you and make you a non-thinker? It doesn't sound like it to me. Why don't you think about today downloading that song? Maybe you're in this place here and you've lost confidence, but God wants you to be in relationship with him and, and he wants you to know that he's going to work out your life. That God is going to complete a good work in you. Don't be scared. You're in a relationship with me. And maybe God wants you to take the next step. It's like you believe all that stuff and you're like, I believe God. I believe his word. Well, God may be saying to you, well, I'm glad you understand the certainty. Now you need to know the cooperation. It's time for you to turn to me to seek my ways, to walk in my ways, to know me. And if you do, I will heal your land. I don't want to hurt you. I want to give you a hope and a future. I want to prosper you. But that promise is for those who are in relationship with me and who are cooperating with me. So let me get you, no, not me. Let me encourage you to dare to reimagine your future, not with vanity, but with the certainty of God's word. Father, as we enter into this moment, Lord God, you're going to use our imagination again, because in a moment we are going to be presented with bread and a cup and we could just see it as bread and we could just see it as juice but god you want us to incorporate the certainty of your word that on that cross your body was broken and your blood was poured out that we may have new life and that whenever we do this we do this in remembrance of you this is more than just bread and a cup this is reimagining the future with the certainty in the very life of God. Let me encourage you in this moment to dare to write down a prayer, to reject the playlists of the past, and that you just pray for a new future. Maybe in your marriage, in your relationships, pin it to the cross, put it in one of the offering baskets. Let this. Let me just dare you to download the promises of God into your life today. We just thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your love. And we dare to reimagine. And in this moment of reimagining, we reach and we grab a hold of the hem. We grab a hold of the promise of God because there is the promise of a new life. Let me invite you into this moment with the power and the Word of God.